Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Robertson. Today, I can't wait to share the Word of God with you because we're talking about a subject that has a grip on this society. We're talking about anxiety. How many of God's people struggle with anxious thoughts, struggle with depression and despair, wrestle against discouragement? Oh, it's everywhere, especially in our world today. And the Bible has a great deal to say about it. Today, we're going to look at what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. We are going to see the very clear logic of Scripture. And what we are going to learn from Scripture is how to not overreact to life's problems, but how to give a right and a mature reaction when we face difficult things. I know today is going to help you as it has greatly helped me. If it does help you, send me an email. I'd love to hear from listeners. Write me anytime at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Oh, you will make my day. Let me know who you are, where you're listening from, and what God is doing in your life. Roberts at gmail.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's text from Philippians chapter 4 on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Today I want to talk to you from Philippians chapter 4. I, it's interesting, I shared these thoughts in two different counseling sessions this week. And then uh, Terry Whitson was uh, away suffering for the Lord at the beach this week and uh, had to go, you know, felt compelled to go and serve the Lord there. And so he asked me to fill in for him for his Thursday morning Bible study. And this was the text I felt led to share at Thursday morning Bible study for the men. And um, did not intend for this to be our text this morning, but the more I shared it, And the more the people this week came and just said, Chad, these thoughts have helped me so much. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want for today. Just just walk through these scriptures. You know, I'm very much a preacher slash teacher. I love to teach. I also love to preach. And so today I intend primarily to teach, but maybe that mighty preacher the Holy Spirit will say, that, I don't know, but I get, I, get, I get riled up when it comes to the Bible because I get excited. I get excited. can't help it sometimes. It's just got to come out. What 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 the prophets say? It's like fire shut up in my bones. Amen. Whew. But today is very much a teaching text. And today I want to teach you Many things from the Word of God. Go with me, Philippians chapter 4. I want to begin in verse number 4. You know, before I lost eyesight, this is very often how I would study the Bible. Notice what verse 4 says. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, what I would do often is I would write a scripture like this out on a piece of paper. And I would pick through every word. That's kind of what I want to do today. 
So perhaps that would help you in your own study of the Bible. Certainly, I wouldn't write out chapters, but you know, if there was one verse or three verses that I wanted to link and I wanted to you know, pick apart and see how does it fit, I would write it out and I would go phrase for phrase, even word for word. And when you do that, and that's the reason I'm sharing this with you, As we talk today about Philippians 4, what I want you to see and what I want you to appreciate and ultimately value in your own personal study of God's Word, I want you to see why Scripture and how Scripture literally stacks upon the other. That's why we study it, we preach it, we live it precept upon precept. Line upon line. Why? Because the natural logic of the scriptures will stack up. And what happens if you don't cherry pick scriptures here and scriptures there, what happens is when you go phrase for phrase, word for word, verse for verse, what you begin to find out is, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. He said this in verse 4 because he said this in verse 1. Verse 7 means this because of verse 5. And it all begins to make sense. See, what we do is we cherry pick. We treat Scripture like a buffet. We we go to a buffet and we take a little bit of that and that don't look good. And and, now thank you. Oh, I'll take a lot of that. Oh, no thanks on that. Right? That's what we do. Scripture's not a buffet. You don't pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. Right? So let me give you a good example. Do you know what the most highlighted scripture with Amazon and Kindle is? Do you know what the most Googled scripture in the Bible is? I would have said John 3.16. It's not true. Philippians 4.6. That is the most searched scripture online. It's the most highlighted with Amazon. Why is it so popular? Because you know what verse 6 says? Be anxious for nothing. Do we not live in an age of anxiety? So what happens is well-meaning people try to find help in God's word and they go and they read, be anxious for nothing. And that's the only verse they read. And then they walk away going, I can't do that. That's not even humanly possible. Maybe elite Christians can do that. Super Christians can do that. But I could never do that. How can anyone do that? How can anyone be in a state... Of such faith that you're never anxious about anything. Who on earth could do that? And so what we do is we close the Bible and go, well, that must not be for me. Whereas part of the medication, part of the remedy, part of the answer is not verse 6. It's the verses before it. That's how you get to verse 6. Anyone with me right now? So let's pick it apart and let's understand it. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It's so important, Paul's going to say it twice. Now, let's understand this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, that seems like an impossible command, doesn't it? How can someone always be glad and always be thankful? You have a flat tire, do you just go, well, hallelujah, praise God. No. 
Am I right or wrong? Your kids do something bonehead. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No. Something break at the house. Something's going to cost you a lot of money. Is your first instinct? Praise God. No. So how can Paul give a command that we are to rejoice in everything? You know, it'd be easy to picture Paul sitting in a balcony overlooking the Mediterranean, sipping on a drink and telling Christians rejoice. But that's not where he's at. You know where Paul is when he writes this? He's in prison. He's in prison. He is chained to a Roman guard. And yet Paul says, rejoice always. I was sharing with a friend of mine yesterday. Do you know why I think God sent Dr. Luke to Paul? Because I think Paul had immense chronic pain. Can you imagine what your body, the, the effects of being stoned, the effects of being whipped, the effects of all the beatings he had? Can you imagine at times what his body must have felt? Huh. Very interesting. And I think the Lord sent Dr. Luke to him, not only to help him physically, but to help him spiritually. Boy, don't the Lord send what we need in our life. Amen. So here Paul is. Paul didn't have a perfect life. Paul wasn't immensely comfortable. Paul is chained to a Roman guard. Paul no longer has lingering effects in his flesh. What did he say? I bear the marks of Christ in his own physical body. He bore the marks of Christ in the persecutions that he endured. Paul's not in a state of perfection and comfortable. No, Paul knows what suffering is. And yet Paul pens these words, rejoice. Can you do that? Can you find joy in the circumstance you are in right this moment? It does not say rejoice after all your prayers are answered, does it? (laughs) Rejoice when you've turned the corner. Rejoice when everything smooths out. Rejoice when everything pans out. No, what it says is rejoice in the Lord when? Always. The psalmist said it like this. I will bless the Lord at all times. Are you rejoicing always? Right now you may be in a place of of ease. You may be in a place of blessing. You may be in a place of abundance. Rejoice in the Lord. And like Paul says later in the chapter, you may be right now in a place of need. You may be in a place of lack. You may be in a place where your faith is struggling. You may be in a place where you have more questions than what you have answers. I'll tell you the biblical answer. Rejoice. Count it all joy. James chapter 1 verse 2, right? When you can find joy in every circumstance. Let me tell, let, let me tell you why we especially as Westerners, let me tell you why we can't often find joy. Because we're not looking for it. You know what we're looking for? Happiness. Oh, my, my, oh, my little three-year-old's going to be four in next month. And, and he, I've, I told you about him. You know about him. You know about his little temper tantrums. He'll get mad and he'll go, Me not happy. John Mark, look at me. Do I look like I care? 
me not happy. <laughs> but listen, we get our eyes on happiness. We get our eyes on God wants me happy. There's a new term that some have identified that is absolutely pinpointing this culture. You may want to write this term down so that you can begin to see it. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Do you know... Now, let me explain it and see if you can't pinpoint it in this culture. What moralistic therapeutic deism means is when people go, well, I'm a good person. There's nothing wrong with me because I'm not bad. I'm kind. I'm I'm a good person. Why would God have any issue with me? Because I don't hurt people. That's moralistic. Therapeutic means God wants me happy. And if I'm not happy, then God is not doing his job. If I am not comfortable and I am not happy, something is wrong with God. Deism means, yes, God's creator, God is God, but he's uninvolved in my day-to-day. He's not interested in my actions. He's not interested in my thoughts. He's not interested in me. He's interested in the grand scheme of things. Can you see that in our culture today? I'm a good person, therefore God ought to make me happy. It's moralistic, therapeutic deism. And it's rampant in this culture. No. What Paul says is... You ought to not be happy, me, not happy. (laughs) Instead of having that attitude, Paul says, rejoice. Find joy in every circumstance. Find joy in all of your situations. And I'll tell you, instead of happiness where one minute I'm up, one minute I'm down, one minute I'm high, the next minute I'm low, I'm all over the map. I don't want to be all over the map. I want to rise above the issues of life. I want to rise above my problems. I want to rise above the issues. And I just want to be a stable, constant person in the Lord. Then how do you get there? Rejoice. Find joy in where God has you. You can find it if you'll look for it. Can we say amen to that? Rejoice, though, in what? Because you may say, Chad, it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know where I'm living. You don't know the problems of my life. How do I find joy in where I am? Well, he tells us. Rejoice in what? The Lord. Not in your lot in life. Not in your circumstances. Not in the problems. Not in your prayers. Not even in your own faith. In the Lord. Oh, now that makes everything different. It's interesting if you look at verses 1, 2, and 3. There is a fight in the church between two women. And it breaks Paul's heart. And he names them. He calls them out. (laughs) I I would hate for my name to be eternally in in the word of God and it be over a quarrel. (laughs) 
But Paul calls them out and he says, I want to see peace between these two sisters. They serve side by side. Their names are written in the book of life. This ought not be. And Paul does not say, choose sides. Paul does not say, hear the arguments. Paul doesn't say, one's right, one's wrong. Do you know what Paul says? That they would agree, how? In the Lord. In the Lord makes all the difference in the world. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I taught from Isaiah 40, verse 31? Those who wait, not for their prayers to be answered. Those who wait, not for the problem to be solved. Those who wait in what? In the Lord. What a difference it makes. You know what those verses tell me? Chad, when the Lord is central to your life, your problems are on the peripheral. But the Lord is central. Issues may be in the peripheral, but the Lord is central. Amen. And that means that I can wait for the Lord. That means when I disagree with people or have sharp disagreements with people or just not in line, whatever. Do you realize realize that some people are just going to get on your nerves? And did you know you're not unspiritual because of that? Then why does the Bible say, bear with one another. There's some people you got to bear. Their personality just rubs you wrong. You just clash. That's all right. It's all right. No, even when I disagree with people, I can disagree in the Lord, and that's going to keep it from getting off track. That's going to keep me from running off the rails. Anybody with me right now? So where's my joy found? How do I rejoice? I don't find the joy necessarily in what I'm suffering. I find the joy in the Lord. In the point, my suffering is not meaningless. It's not haphazard. It's not by coincidence. God has his hand on it. And then I go from pursuing happiness where my happiness depends on the way things happen in my life to where I rise above all that and I'm in a constant state of joy. Why? Because I'm focused on the Lord. And in good or bad, it doesn't matter. I want to be joyful on good days. I want to be joyful in difficult days. Why? Always. And it's so important. It's so counter to our nature that Paul says... I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. How many of you need to hear it again? (laughs) Rejoice. Okay. Now I want you to look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. How many days do you just wake up and say, I'm going to let my reasonableness be seen by everybody? (laughs) Your reasonableness. I love this word. You know what the meaning of the word reasonableness is? It is having a right response. It is a mature reaction. In other words, it is the opposite of an overreaction. Now, I don't know about you, (laughs) but I can overreact to things. I can overreact at the drop of a hat. Come on, anybody else like that right now? Don't pretend because your spouse will tell on you. 
We have a tendency to overreact. And don't we make what can already be difficult circumstances in life, can't we make them far worse by our overreactions? Don't we often take what should be small things and make them huge things because we overreact emotionally? Now, come on, who am I preaching to today? I know I'm preaching to more than two or three of you. And what should be a simple speed bump in our marriages or in our relationships or with coworkers or in our friendships or in our church life, what ought to be just a small speed bump ends up being a brick wall. And we look around and we go, well, what's wrong with him? Or what's wrong with her? What's wrong with them? Whereas in reality, it's my overreaction that really ought not be. Now what's Paul? Paul's talking about conflict right now. These two sisters in verse number 2 are in conflict with one another. And Paul says, I'm going to give you a remedy. If you will find joy in the Lord, if you will rejoice in the Lord, not in the circumstances of life, don't wait for the circumstances of life to change before you declare joy. You declare joy in the midst of the circumstances. Why? Because your joy is foundational in the Lord. Not in your feelings. Not in your emotions. So, Chad, what do I do with my emotions? Paul's going to show us. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But for right now, you have to be willing to take your emotions and set them to the side and say, I'm not going to be ruled by them. I'm not going to be controlled by them. I'm not going to be dominated by them. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And what that does, when you make a commitment that you're going to find your joy in the Lord, you know what that's going to create in you? A right and a mature reaction to all of life's circumstances. Let your reasonableness, your right, mature response, let it be known to everybody. You know what that tells me? People's watching your life. People's watching you. Isn't that interesting? And what happens is when they see you enduring, as a good soldier, as Scripture says. When they see you glorifying the Lord, when they see you honoring the Lord, even in the mess you're in, even in the hardship that you are in, even in the sorrow that you face, when they see you glorify God, it's just like Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your Father. Amen. Let your reasonableness, let your right response, your mature reaction, it's the opposite of an overreaction. You know, the Lord showed me when I went blind that I was often like a pendulum. I just swung wildly. Woo! <laughs> Some days I was fired up and I could conquer the world. And then other days... I was in despair. Woe is me. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why I'm facing this. 
And I was always one side or the other. And you know what the Lord told me one day? Find your center. The Lord said, it's not my will for you to swing wildly. I don't want you swinging wildly where you can conquer the world. I don't want you swinging wildly where you're in despair. The Lord said, just find your center. This is where I want you, Chad. Right in the center. What's the center? Reasonableness. A right response. A mature reaction. Never overreacting. Can we say amen to it? Say, Chad, that sounds real good, but how do I know it will work? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because the Bible gives the answer. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is near. You know, I think that has a dual meaning. I think it certainly means the Lord is near and he's coming. There's an imminency to the return of Christ. His return is imminent. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ could return at any moment. That's why I want to prepare my life as though I'll live for many more decades. But I want to live my life as though he would come at any moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Amen. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. But also believe it means, as scripture says, The Lord will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Do you know why I can face every difficulty in life with joy? Because the Lord is with me. The Lord has not abandoned me. He's not forsaken me. The Lord hasn't left me by myself and going, hmm, I wonder what he'll do now. Let's just watch and see if he makes it. No, the Lord's not doing that. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. Amen? He's with me. He's walking with me. He's guiding me. There isn't one step that I take in life that my shepherd has not already taken that step and said, here, my path, my way, Chad. I've walked this way. It's good for you. Follow me. You can trust me. The Lord is near. Do you need to remind yourself of that right now? Do you need to remind yourself of that? Because Satan will tell you he's not. Satan will tell you, if God was near, you wouldn't feel this way. No, I'll show you what to do with your feelings. Don't don't worry about that. I'll show you exactly what to do with your feelings. Satan would tell you, well, if God was near, you wouldn't have those thoughts. No, I'll show you what to do with your thinking. The Bible tells us. Don't worry about that. But see, what happens is, what did I say? We buffet the word of God. We go to chapter, to, to, to verse 6, and we go, well, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. I can't do that. You know why you can't do that? Because you're not taking the full remedy. You're not going to learn to rid your life of anxiety until you learn how to find joy. Hallelujah. Did you get that? I'm going to say it again because I don't think everybody got it. You're not going to rid your life of anxiety till you learn how to find joy in the Lord. That's the remedy. I feel the preacher coming on. All right, Chad, teach now. Teach. Calm it down. (laughs) So, now watch how the logic stacks. Paul says, I'm going to tell you to do something impossible. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you twice. Rejoice. 
Oh, Paul, how do I do that? You rejoice in the Lord. Okay. Well, when do I rejoice? When everything smooths out? No. You rejoice always. Well, what happens when I begin to walk in joy? What happens when the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that beautiful fruit of joy, begins to grow in abundance? Then what's going to be the, the result of that? Oh, here's what's going to happen, Chad. You're going to have a mature reaction to everything. You're not going to be a pendulum. You're not going to swing with your emotions. You're going to be a constant, steady, faith-filled person. Oh, I want that. And you know what's going to happen, Chad? As your responses mature, you're not going to swing wildly. You're going to find your center. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to be a light to others around you, the people watching your life. It's going to be known to everyone. But what if I mess up? Oh, don't worry. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near with you. You're not doing this by yourself, Chad. You're not doing it alone. The Lord is near. Okay? Is everybody with me so far? Then what's going to be the outflow of rejoicing always, having a mature reaction to life circumstances, walking with the Lord because He's near? What is the outflow of that? What's the result of that? Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) Paul You're telling me not to be anxious over anything in life? Even the big things, even the things that the stakes are high, even the things that are outside of my control, even the things that it it, it feels like like do or die? And you're telling me not to be anxious? Yes. Why? Because the Lord is near. You're not doing it alone. Casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. The Lord makes all the difference in the world. Amen. If you lived your life right now, and I'm talking about the mountains you're facing. I'm talking about the problems you can't fix, the situations you can't control, the things that you can't change. If you began to look at them from the perspective, the Lord is right here near me, and He's well aware. How much anxiety would that take out of your life? Be anxious for nothing. Now, Paul, you're telling me to do things that are not humanly possible. You're telling me to rejoice always and now be anxious for nothing? Yes, because the Lord is at hand. He makes all the difference. When you understand that you are not the vine, you're simply a branch, all that anxiety will lift off you. When you understand that the Lord is orchestrating the events of your life, it'll take the anxiety out of you. I am amazed at the peace I feel concerning this property. I'm amazed. Do you know why? Because you know, you know, you don't worry. Anxious. Oh, is, is, is it going to work out? Is it going to pan out? What happens if it does? What happens if it don't? No, there's no anxiety there. Because my confidence is in the Lord. And if the Lord says yes, it will be yes. And if the Lord says no, thank God for it. How often do we ask the Father for bread, but He knows it's a stone? 
We asked the father for fish, but he knows it's a serpent. I don't want anything that the Lord doesn't want. That's why we can trust him to open doors and to shut doors. That's why we can trust him to say yes, and we can trust him when he says no. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is with us. What confidence it brings into our life. So what does he say? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, ooh, there's everything. I'm to rejoice always. I'm to let my reasonableness be seen by everyone. And now I am to be prayerful in everything. Do you link those three? Can you see where Scripture just keeps stacking upon itself? Now say amen if you're with me right now. Now let me teach you something here, church. If you've never seen from this perspective, your energy, which is very limited. You know, uh, I'm, I'm often intrigued by our need for sleep. I'm very intrigued by that. I don't think our spirit ever sleeps, but our body, our flesh, our soul, oh, it has. Uh, I'm sorry, our flesh, our body, it has to sleep. I think, you know, sometimes I just think about people who think, you know, they have the world by the tail and they think they're so powerful. They think they're so healthy. They think they have all the money in the world. They've got all the answers and, you know, they're just, they're just high and mighty. And you know what? Sometimes I just chuckle because the Lord has designed them. They have to sleep. <laughs> they have to. I don't care how smart you are, don't care what kind of IQ you have, don't care what kind of high-powered job you have, don't matter your income level, it doesn't matter, you have to sleep. To me, it's like the Lord just saying, yeah, your britches aren't as big as you think they are. So we have to rest. We have to sleep. We don't have all that much energy. So our energy is going to go to something. Now, for the majority of us, where our energy goes is trying to fix things. How many of you are fixers? You have to fix everything. Come on now, right? You know who I'm preaching to. You're a fixer. And you think you have to fix it, no? How many of you think you have to control everything? Mm. Everything has to be controlled by you. And if it gets outside of your control, it's going to crash and burn. Oh, I understand that feeling. I'm quite like that myself. And so what happens is what little energy that we have ends up going to trying to fix or trying to control. And all of a sudden, that takes all of our energy, and we live life exhausted. Exhausted mentally, exhausted emotionally, exhausted spiritually. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? So your control is going to go either to you controlling and you fixing, or to prayer. Watch what Paul says. Don't 
be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here's what I want to do. I want to take what little energy I have, and instead of trying to control my world, I want to give it over to God. And I want to say, God, my energy is going to go into seeking your face, seeking your will, worshiping you rightly, studying your word, living your word. And if I can do all of that, I'll be a whole lot better shape. I don't know where you are, but let me tell you, it takes a lot of energy to pray. It takes a lot of energy to apply the word. It takes a lot of energy to do what's right. It takes a lot of energy to walk by faith. It takes energy to do these things. And rather than giving that precious energy to an arm of flesh that's trying to fix everything and control everything and fix everyone and control everyone, no, I'm going to give my energy to trusting in God and praying as I ought. Now notice what he says. By prayer, supplications, with thanksgiving. What's the difference? Prayer, in this sense, means general prayer. You know, you pray in general ways. I'll take missionaries, for example. I may pray generally, Lord, you know, handful of you know, our missionaries that we love and support. Lord, I pray for all of our missionaries. You know their work. You know their needs. You know their struggles. Lord, you know what's going on. And God, I pray you'll touch each of them. Morocco and Pakistan and Bangladesh and Egypt and West Africa and Malawi. Lord, all these places that I can't be, that I can't go. Lord, you're there and would you meet all of their needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I pray your strength for them in Jesus' name. It's a good blanketed prayer. That's a general prayer. But let's say that our missionary in Bangladesh reaches out to us. And let's say that they have a very serious health need or a very serious financial need. Or the the spiritual warfare going on right there is almost crushing at the moment. It's overwhelming. And they reach out to us and say, will you pray for us? The spiritual warfare has never been this intense. And we began to go to war. Oh, God, give your angels charge concerning them. Dispatch your angels about their ministry. Give them protection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, give them strength today. And we began to pray quite specifically. That's supplication. It's targeted. It's specific. And then he says, but make sure you don't leave out this ingredient. Any of you ever try to bake something and you, you don't get the ingredient quite right? <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? You didn't put enough of this in it. You know what Paul, I, I, I just picture Paul saying, oh, just don't forget this now. Don't forget this. Thanksgiving. I wonder <clears throat> if you and I inventoried all of our prayers this week. How many of them included thanksgiving? We often forget that. You know what would make a difference? Verse 4. When we are rejoicing in the Lord. We're going to be thankful for where we are and what God's doing in our life. Even when we don't understand or even the difficult things. So follow my logic here. (laughs) It's not my logic. It's scripture's logic. I'm just trying to point it out. 
Verse 4, if I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 5, I'm going to let my reasonableness be seen by everyone. Verse 6, why? Because the Lord's at hand. Verse 6, it's going to take anxiety out of my life. And instead of giving my energy to anxiety, I'm going to give my energy to prayer. And now let me close and let me wrap up with verse 7. But give me a moment here. I want want you to get this. Let me teach this here. Verse 7. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now let me teach this here. Say amen if you're with me. Get pen and paper ready. Because I don't want you... This is the meat right here. We... We, we've come through the salad bar. We've made our way through the veggies. Now we're to the steak. Amen. All right. Give me some prime rib, Lord. <laughs> now watch this. What, what is going to be the outflow of rejoicing in the Lord? A mature, right reaction to life's problems. Then what's going to happen as I mature? I am going to let go of anxiety. I'm going to rid it out of my life. All of my energy is going to go to walking with the Lord and prayer. Why? Because the Lord is with me. So what's going to be the outflow of that kind of prayer life where I'm not anxious, but I'm prayerful? You know what the outflow is? The peace of God. See, some of you don't understand peace, and you're saying, how do I get it? How do I get peace? Friends, may I remind you, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you know how you get fruit? You gotta cultivate the ground. You gotta work the garden. You gotta pull the weeds, right? And if we will cultivate prayer into our life, if we will cultivate these things that Paul is telling us, do you know what's gonna grow? The fruits of the Holy Spirit joy and peace. Anybody see that? And what does the peace of God do? This is what I really wanna teach you right here. What does the peace of God do? Paul says, That the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I don't care how smart you are. You can't get this if you're not spiritual. Some of you are mighty smart, but you're not spiritual. You're smart, but you're not spiritual. What is the outflow of such a prayer life? It's the peace of God. And this peace can't be learned. It can't be taught. You can't read it out of a book. It's not a formula. Friends, it is the Spirit of God. Amen. You get it out of the Word and that alone. And what does the peace of God do? Now, this is going to help some of you. The peace of God is going to keep, it's going to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. How many of you, don't raise your hand because I can't see you. How many of you are following baseball right now? It's wrapping up the season. It's going to be playoffs. Hunt for October. Many teams have already clinched the playoffs. Do you know where we get our English word for umpire? From this word right here in the scripture that means keep or guard. That's where our English word for umpire comes. In other words, the peace of God is going to call the shots in your life. You have a decision to make and you don't know what to do. The peace of God's going to settle it. The peace of God is going to say if it's safe or if it's out. If it's fair or it's foul. The peace of God is going to guard. It's going to keep. It's going to umpire. The peace of God is going to tell you what to do. That's why I never, I try to never violate my peace. If I don't have peace about something, 
I have peace about offering on this land. I do not have peace about entering the bid. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to... It all has to do... I don't have peace. Therefore, it tells me it's not right. You see what I'm saying? It's the umpire. So, listen. You know this as well as I know it. Where does the battle often rage in us? Where are all... Where is all of the confusion typically found in us? Where are our doubts often found in us? In the way we think, our minds, and in the way we feel, our hearts. And you know what this scripture says? The peace of God will guard the way you think and the way you feel. See, some of you right now, and I know I'm preaching to some of you. Some of you right now don't know what to do with the way you feel. Give it over to the peace of God. Some of you just don't feel right and you don't know why. You need the peace of God. Some of you, Satan is plaguing your mind with doubts, with lies, with half-truths with confusions and doubts. And he has taken his fiery arrows and he is shooting them right into your mind and right into your heart. Oh, precious believer, put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on that belt of truth. Those shoes of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. The peace of God, it will guard, it will umpire, it will keep the way you think and the way you feel. It will protect your thinking, it will protect your emotions. It will guard your mind, it will guard your heart. And is, is this not where the battle is fault one lost but how do you get there verse 4 you resolve today I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always come hell or high water my joy is not in my circumstances of life my joy is in the Lord and that's where I'm going to settle it you rejoice in the Lord always and what's that do makes you a mature right response and everybody sees it that's watching your life and they begin to glorify God because you're handling life in a right and a mature way because the Lord's near and because the Lord is near let that anxiety go don't hold on to it don't be anxious for anything a brother asked me in Bible study this week with their men they made such a great question they said what's the difference between a concern and an anxiety what a great question and we talked about it in Bible study and we began to talk about how we should care for things but that I want the Lord to be able to burden me I want the Lord to be able to lay things on my heart I want to be responsible I want to care I want to be disturbed from time to time and, and grow uncomfortable and have a burden from God. 
But do you know what the difference is? The word anxiety means to strengthen. Oh, see, when things worry me, when things make me fearful, when things, when I begin to fret, when I begin to feel strangled in life, that's not of the Lord. See the difference. And God says those things that are strangling you today, don't be anxious about anything. Why? The Lord's near you. The Lord's with you. The Lord's at hand. So what's the outflow? Oh, then instead of giving my energy to anxiety, I'm going to give my energy to prayer, supplication, thanksgivings. I'm going to let my request be made known unto God. And what is God going to give me in return? What a beautiful exchange. I pray to the Lord. And what does the Lord bring into my life? A peace that surpasses all. That means in the middle of my chaos, people are looking at me and going, Why, how in the world is he handling that? How in the world has she not lost her mind? How is she still praying? How is she still worshiping? How is she still thankful? How is he still grateful? I'll tell you how. There is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. It rises above the storm. My friend Joe Heron told me the other day, everything that's over my head is under his feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Everything over my head is still under his feet. Hallelujah. There's a peace the people of God has. There's a peace that is ours. And Jesus said, it's a peace that I give you that the world can't take it away. It didn't come from the world and they can't take it. I want that peace. I want that peace. I want that peace that while the wind is blowing, while the waves are rolling, I'm at perfect peace because the Lord is near. Can we say amen today? And you know what? When I begin to think wrong and I let doubt slip in or I let, you know, I get negative or when my emotions get a little off and I start feeling wrong or feeling hurt. Some of you are hurt at God right now. You're angry at God. Let me tell you what to do. Let the peace of God umpire you. Let the peace of God call the shots. Let the peace of God keep your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. This is the remedy. And if you'll do it in that order, if you'll follow the natural logic of Scripture from verse 4 to verse 7, the remedy will work. Let's bow our heads today. God, I pray for all of your people this morning that you would encourage, that you would strengthen, that you would help. Those, Lord, who are in conflict today, bring peace to them. Those who don't know what to do, Lord Jesus, make it known to them. Make it clear to them. Make it evident to them. Those who are struggling to trust you today, help them. Those of us who we have to search, we have to perhaps try a little harder to find joy always. Give us the grace to do it. 
those of us who could look around our life and say, well, this is wrong and that's wrong and this is off and that's off and that, that's not working out and that's not, that's not going like I thought it would. Give us the grace to rejoice. Those of us who overreact, those of us who swing wildly, help us to find our center. Give us a right, a mature reaction to life's troubles. Those of us who have forgotten that you're with us, remind us, Holy Spirit, you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. Those of us that our lives are just consumed with anxiety. You didn't suggest it, Lord. You didn't. There's nowhere in verse 6 that says, try your hardest to not be anxious. Give it a whirl. Give it a shot. Try. No. You command it. Be anxious for nothing. God, those of us who so often we get anxious, God, let us obey your word. Let us step up to the plate and say, I'm going to fight anxiety. I'm not going to give it another inch of my life in Jesus' name. You didn't say try. You said do it. So we take you at your word. We take the sword of the Spirit and we wield it against anxiety. We wield it against depression. We wield it against despair. And we don't give it an inch. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We resist the devil with all that we have. And as we give our energy to prayer... As we give our energy to thanksgiving, as we bring our requests and we make them known unto you, then may the God of peace, the only one who can give peace that lasts, the only one who can give peace that surpasses all understanding. It's beyond logic. It's beyond reasoning. It's beyond analyzing. It's by faith and by faith alone. And that's why the just shall live by faith. (laughs) Hallelujah. We walk by faith and not by sight. So we take that peace today, God. We accept it in the name of the Lord. We take the peace of God and we let it umpire our life. We let it call the shots. We let it tell us what to do. We go forward or we stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It doesn't matter. We'll be followed, Lord. We'll follow the peace of God. And that peace that comes from you, it will guard us. It shall keep us in our hearts and in our minds, in our feelings and in our thinking, in our emotions and our affections. It will guard, it will keep, it will preserve, it will umpire. Oh, I thank you for your word today. Let it take root. Let it have its great effect in us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.